Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tennessee Power Hour each and every Friday is with VolQuest.com here on Outkick 360. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire Outkick OTT crew making it happen for us. And joining us from Knoxville after a big night in Nashville last night, Austin Price and Brent Hubbs from VolQuest.com. Guys, the most talked about bay of the entire event was 995 as I walked up and down the T-line last night at 360 Masters, Austin, everyone wanted to know where the VolQuest Bay was. You guys were a big hit, and uh, thank you so much for, for supporting the event last night, you and Brent both. And uh, thanks for inviting us, and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully Catfish Jake was able to raise a bunch of money for uh, LLS, and uh, it, was a, it was a great event, and as, as they all pointed out, that was your brainchild a couple of years ago, and, and, and a blast. I will say this, had Team 995 been giving ample time to finish round two, the annual pass holders would not have won said Outkick 360. Now, nobody was going to touch the guy that won the individual, but the team... Yeah. Assholders, we're coming for you next year. How do you feel about slow play in general, Austin, when you watch well, a golf tournament or the PGA Tour? Oh, I hate slow play. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so why were you guys playing so slowly? We weren't. The guy told us that from that we're, we're only playing one round, so I think he set it up time-wise for us only to be one round. Oh. Listen, let's be, let's be honest right. here. Our, our clock management was less miles-esque last night um our bay to the left was a, a bunch of good dudes yeah we had a little bit of first round distraction by the bay to the right uh they were a little happy gilmore like to be honest. <laughs> and as the evening went along it felt like as the cameras emerged i thought we were kind of doing a behind the music uh about a hair band on vhs on uh, vh1 last night I wanted to talk to the commissioner about it. Then I looked, and the commissioner was in that bay. And I'm like, you know what? We're we're, we're kind of hosed here. Let's let's do the best we can down the stretch, and uh, we'll be better next year. I can promise you that. that we're the, we the caretakers. We're the caretakers of Team 995. And we'll be better moving forward, right, Austin? Well, well, what I know is, is I will bring nothing but straight ringers next year. That's how we will roll. <laughs> straight ringers and more nice, Peter Millar. Bring buddies, but really, we're going to take to take the gloves off. It's going to be straight ringers next year um, for Team Nine Ninety Five. We may change it to Gate Twenty One next year. I, I don't know what we're going <laughs> to do, but either way, we're going to throw down. And like I said, the pass holders they 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 got some kind of they got some kind of you know, payback coming their way. I will say this, though. The highlight of the night was Travis Tripp. His shirt <laughs> was on point, and he was phenomenal from the get-go doing all your camera work. So, Travis Tripp, kudos to you. Jacob Swanson. Not every show can get Travis Tripp to do production work. That's the type of show this is. <laughs> um, I, I was, I, I'll say, um, 
it, to offset the ringers you guys are going to bring next year, uh, we're going to up the level of distraction uh, when we're next to you in the booth. <laughs> Jugglers. And we're going to have even more crazy things Sword going on. Sword swallowers. I'll also say that when the cameras <laughs> came out, you know, I was going bay to bay and filming everyone, and the lefty, Brent Hubbs, delivered on camera better than almost anyone else. When we got to their bay, he was swinging, oh. and he hit a perfect shot on camera, pressure on, told him he was on camera, and hit a great shot. I can't say the same for Austin Price. That's <laughs> clearly a better golfer. But when he knew the camera was on, there were a couple of pretty severe, almost Chad Withrow-like slices that he hit when the camera nah, was on. it wasn't that bad. It was not that bad, Withrow. And, and, and I will say this. Uh, I got my, my swing coach, Brennan Webb, Tennessee's golf coach, been working on a couple of different things technique-wise. So, yeah, I, I was a bit out of sorts last night. Uh, I should have brought my clubs in, but I chose not to. I was afraid I would get made fun of too much if I had brought in my real golf club. So I was trying to swing that, the stuff they had there at Top Golf. But you're right. Game two, had we been able to finish, and this is why I know we would have won had we been given ample time to finish and not shut it down with about six balls left, Brent Hubbs was on an all-time streak. I mean, he was on fire. It was like NBA Jam <laughs> last night in Game 2 um, before, again, some shady shenanigans when they pulled the plug and ended it early. You know I who got brought his own? Paul, I got my focus back in because at one point I thought Bay to the right was doing body shots. <laughs> I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen there. But I got dialed back in and uh, got relaxed and was – it was hitting it pretty good, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're on the clock, and um, like I said, our our our, our clock management uh, resembled a lot of less miles work last night. So we got to work on that. You know who brought his own clubs last night? Travis Tritt. He did. He did. He wasn't ashamed. He also, wasn't worried about being made fun also, of. Also, we were doing those body shots off t-shirt. of Travis Tritt last night, which was fun in that vein. <laughs> what, 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 what about what what about our boy Bray Wyatt though? I mean, you had Bray Wyatt or Panama Jack, whatever he was trying to roll as. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the chairman of the board was, uh, without a doubt, the dapperest style. of the dapper last night. I mean, he was style personified. David Reed got it done. No Peter Millar for him either. Yeah, no Peter Millar. Although um, the, the bay next to Brent and Austin wore Peter Millar because they knew they would they requested to be next to the VolQuest Bay. And that ended up being the season ticket holders ended up winning the uh, the team prize last night. So let's ask, ask the, the one final question. Austin, yes. you seem very dejected at the end. I, I didn't know if it was over the clock problems or or. By the way, the event ended on time, problems. not early. It ended on time. Yeah, but you were so dejected, and you were, you were riding, riding the war room. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about today's edition of the war room compared to the general standard? Um, and and how very dejected, how dejected very were high you? Standard for the war room too. Well, I, I thought the uh, information in the war room was top-notch, um, both uh, you know, from all three branches of the VolQuest uh, hierarchy, that being Rob, Brent, and me. Um, <laughs> I, I, what I will say is I finally figured out, for all the VolQuesters out there that have wondered why Brent has so many misspellings over the years, I finally figured out when I had to type on Brent's laptop, it, apparently he's eating like muffins and stuff around the keyboard. I'm touching like, you know, I, I kept hitting the letter T and it wouldn't work. <laughs> so like, if you ever wonder why there's just random letters, you know, that don't show up, there it is. Now, I'm not in charge of the proofreading for the war room. That's someone else, <clears throat> Rob. Maybe that should get fixed going oh. forward. 
Well, for anyone wondering about the dedication of AllQuest.com and the staff, Austin's sitting there checking all three of his phones during the event. I mean, they're going at it on the recruiting. Brent's making sure that they're getting the war room growing. My pager. I'm a yeah, pager. The pager. Brent, now is a good as good a time as any to ask this question. When did the war room go from what is written in the war room stays in the war room to welcome to the war room, this is everything going on in Knoxville, have at it? Oh, that's a great question. I think when we got enough complaints about people who said, I'm tired of reading that long paragraph open, uh, let's get to the meat and the potatoes oh, of it. Uh, okay. It was about, it was about a 10-year open, and um, everybody said, you know what, We're, we, we kind of know what it is. Let's just get to the meat and potatoes of it and, and, and get rolling that way. So That uh, and the fact that no one else ever actually took it to heart and correct. did true. what was said. <laughs> That's yeah, probably I mean, part of it as well. We, we all log in under Chad's account to read it, so yeah. it didn't matter. That was given to me Thanks. in 2004. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. That's it won't great. be given to you going forward. <laughs> Obviously, that's why I'm not that's not that's why I'm not wearing Peter Millar today. Thank you. Good job, fellas. And, and you and you won't be able to ha and you won't be able to have Lampley negotiate a free membership. That's just not gonna happen. <laughs> I, I, I the, the great thing about seeing Lampley last night was First thing Lampley says to me when I walk in was, man, when we were negotiating your contract, really would have been nice to know that Clay was about to be flushed with Fox Cash <laughs> as we were negotiating salary for you guys. And I said, yeah, uh, us too. Um, I feel like this is a good enough segue to get into the meat and potatoes uh, of this segment with you guys. Speaking of cash, Tennessee making a sizable cash investment in Neyland Stadium. Uh, you guys had more details about it in the war room. Brent, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think about the latest plan with Danny White and how he's going to improve Neyland Stadium? Well, I think these were two projects that are on the docket. They're actually being discussed today with the, the State Commission in Nashville as part of their meeting. and It's, it's on the agenda today but um, to, to kind of adjust the budget with it a little bit. But I, this has been planned. Um, Philip Fulmer had it in, in the docket. I, I think at one point John Curry had it on it as well. Uh, the feeling was the, the Jumbotron in the north end would, would be something that would enhance the fan amenities for, for so many in the south end that, that cannot see the current Jumbotron. That's a, I don't want to say an easy thing to do, but it's one of the easier projects before you tackle the concourses on the south end or, or the east end. Uh, and then obviously you're trying to create some premium seating there in the lower bowl with the chairbacks for the West Club. I think two things. One, you've got to show your fan base hey, we're moving forward with something because we've only seen like 19 different renderings at this point of, you know, five different ADs projects and what they want it to look like. So at some point, you got to show some progress with that. And I think by doing that as well, you're going to generate some new money that you can invest back into uh, the mile capital campaign to try to move on with the next phase of your project. And you also generate some buzz with some people that you might increase your donations that way. I think if you'd have taken would have taken $25, $30 million and put it all into the infrastructure that needs to be done in the south end zone, it's hard to create the donations and create the buzz about it. You've got to show some tangible um, things, and that's what they're doing with these two projects. They're going to lose about 1,200 seats, or they're going to move about 1,200 season ticket holders, I should say, um, in the north end zone. And then when you go from bleachers to chairbacks, you're probably looking – at about 3,000 tickets that are going to have to be moved around for those who don't want to be and don't want to pay for that premium seating uh, in the West in, in the West Lower Bowl there. And this is a project that's going to get done quickly uh, by the 2022 season. So once 
this 2021 season ends, they'll start construction on uh, these two uh, phases of the Neyland Stadium project. But you mentioned the south end zone, Brent. This seems like it should be a timely thing, that that's a decrepit state on that side of the stadium. Is that something that's going to happen relatively quickly? Yeah, I think that's where they, you know, obviously you're going to go that direction next um, and where you're going to go. Now, part of the reason that's been such a holdup is you have uh, people in that end of the stadium working. There are office complexes in there where there are on-campus staff people, academic people who work in the South Stadium Hall that's still active there. So you've you got to get all of them out. That's been a part of the master plan on campus for a while. Get them out. And that, that's where your biggest design stuff is going to take place. And what does Danny White and his staff want to do there? If you look at the renderings that's been um, created the last decade, decade and a half, the biggest difference, everybody kind of had chairbacks in the West Lower Bowl. There was always talk about a jumbotron in the North End. But everybody's viewpoint of what you did with the South End was going to be very different. Some people, club seats underneath. Some people chair backs there and much more of a plaza area kind of in the level at the top of the first bowl before you get into the upper deck area. What do you do with the ramps there? Um, There's a lot more to that, and there's a lot more possibilities for creativity there. Uh, And so I think that you will see them change that rendering and do some different things there. But, yeah, that's where you're going to go next is try to work on that south concourse. Austin, uh, Brent mentioned the the maneuvering of seats inside Neyland Stadium. Are we about to see the the quote unquote capacity of Neyland go go below a hundred thousand? It's been under a hundred. Hey, that, that that's the the one hundred two four fifty five is like a, a a Butch Jones slogan. Like, and, and that's not making fun of Butch. That, that's just the yeah. number he just threw out there, and it got like it it, it was like a magnet, you know, and and you know it just took. Um, so, like, you know, Brent, I think Brent will agree. I mean, like, Tennessee's, you know, been right there, I think, hovering right at 100 or under 100 for, for a few years now after they did different renovations and different, um, you know, upgrades and, and, and took away a little bit of seating. This is not like 2004 where you could, you know, pack in there and get about 107 or 108,000 people in there like that 04 Florida game had. Um, you know, they've been down, you know, several seats for a few years. Again, I – 90 i mean florida's got what 95 brent i mean like the swamp is plenty loud like it's not about the number i think fans get hung up on that whole you know six you know digits more than they do Mm -hmm. you know anything else brent you agree we live yeah i think we live in a world where fan amenities look everybody's competing for the same dollar right i mean you got every game's on tv so how do you convince a season ticket holder hey Come be a part of, you know, the atmosphere at the game as opposed to taking your season ticket money and finishing your outdoor living space <laughs> with a new 70-inch television that you can get for $400 at whatever electronic store or, or wholesaler you want to go to. So how do you get people to come? Do you get them to come and say, hey, we're going to give you an 18-inch metal bl- spot on a metal bleacher? Or do you come to them and say, hey, we're going to offer – a lot more amenities. And that's, I think, what you're going to see out of the Danny White regime is increasing those amenities because I think that's what you have to do. You look at every NFL stadium out there, what's it about? It's not about how big it is. It's about what the amenities look like. What do they offer? Plaza levels, the sports bar look, 
um, more food dining options, more comfortable seating, all of that is more important now than the mega stadium, you know, the, the 110, the 106, whatever. That's what you're trying to get those dollars out of. And uh, I think you're going to see that continue with, with Danny White. And I think it's been moving that. I don't think it's Danny White's brainchild. I think everybody across the country has been moving in that direction, you know, for a while. Because even the best teams in the country aren't, aren't announcing sellouts every week. They're, they're not standing room only every week for every college football game. It's a big weekend on campus. You've got a baseball series, a block party, and uh, some big-time recruits coming to town. So we'll get into all of that when we come back for the VolQuest Power Hour. All straight ahead with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price from VolQuest.com. Hang with us. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour with VolQuest.com. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price breaking down the latest from Knoxville. Chad, a lot to discuss with Tony Vitello. There's a big recruiting weekend coming up this weekend as, and as well as we hit the final big segment with Brenton Austin this week. Yeah, and just the weekend uh, around the Super Regional in Knoxville, and I want to get your, your take on that. Um, the storyline with the matchup with LSU and their coach having bad things to say about the nasty nastiness of the Tennessee program and their fans – uh, the last go-around is certainly interesting. And, guys, it's also interesting what uh, Danny White is doing in, in the athletic department with a block party outside of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. What, what can you tell us about everything going on around that series? Well, I think, first of all, to, um, to the fine folks at LSU, apparently none of them have ever sat in their stands at Alex Block Stadium or at Tiger Stadium to understand what the environment is like for <laughs> visiting fans there. So. Uh, welcome to Knoxville, LSU, and uh, expect plenty of rowdiness because you've obviously challenged the Tennessee fan base and uh, a Tennessee baseball team led by, the, by Tony Vitello, who has not backed down from it. He defended his team this week when asked about it, called his team classy, but said welcome to the SEC. So uh, <laughs> that was his polite way of saying, bring the noise, everybody. And Tennessee's going to do that. And They've sold it out in 30 minutes. A lot of people are disappointed upset that they did not have the opportunity to get a ticket it was suggested out there to danny white to put a block party together of some kind and hats off austin to the tennessee administration this is a this is a feather in danny white's cap because there's previous administra previous administrations who i think would have said you know that's a good idea but we just don't have time to put that together and in a matter of about eight hours they put something together they're going to have a, a screen for everybody, food and beverage opportunities for everybody uh, all around the stadium. It, it should be quite the scene, and I think Tennessee's hoping that it's similar, similar to a scene that was in Nashville with the Predators when, when they were in, you know, making their run towards the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they, you know, this administration did not say maybe next time. They, they went to work, got it done, and, uh, you know, kudos to them. I mean, I, I thought that was great stuff, and, and, and honestly – all the fans that were upset uh, that they couldn't get tickets, I think they calmed way down because, hey, they just want to be there. Like, they want to be around it. Even if they can't be in the stadium, they're going to be right outside watching it on the screen. They're going to be able to have their drinks. They're going to be able to cheer loud and yell and have a good time. And, uh, you know, you're right. I, I think they took the a bad situation with, with people upset about not being able to get in and get tickets and turned it into a positive because they listened to people outside the circle. The, the people that made the suggestions, Jason Swain and people like that, 
you know, they listened to those people and they said, you know, that's a good idea. Let's let's see if we can make this work. And they made it work. And, and you know, again, as Brent pointed out, previous, previous administrations may have said, that's a good idea. Most of them, if not all, would have said, we'll try to get that next time. They didn't do that this time. Are they prepared for an overflow of people? Whenever these block parties happen, we, we speak from firsthand experience with, with what the Preds did in downtown Nashville. Uh, people want to come out for the event. You know, they want to go out and hang out, uh, especially over a weekend. Well, what type of numbers are they expecting? Uh, I would say similar to the, the block party that, uh, that Hubs had last night over at the uh, <laughs> Golf. I mean, it was pretty impressive. People were there to see him. Uh, you know, I don't know. I know they're expecting in the thousands. And, and here's the thing. Night night events are ne- are neater, and so I, you'll expect a big crowd uh, on Saturday night. And then Brent, if they win, expect an even bigger crowd for an afternoon tilt on Sunday because they would have a chance to clinch. Yep. Yeah, I, you know I don't know what they expect. I mean, I think they're I, I think they're preparing for it to be a, a crowd, uh, a big crowd. But you're you're right. I mean, you you know sometimes people just want to be a part of the show, right? I mean, they just want to be. They just want to be around it, and um, so if the weather's good, I, I think that you'll see uh, a, a really good crowd there, and you know it'll spill all over the place. And um, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't get the impression that Tennessee's administration is going to go, hey, let's let's cap this thing at X number, and you know whatever it spills into the streets, we're just going to spill it into the streets the best we can, and and away we go. So it, it should be fun to see, um, and. Uh, you know, th- this is a fan base in baseball that always liked this team, but didn't adopt this team really until um, you know a few weeks ago. And as a result of that, you got people coming from Nashville, you got people coming from Chattanooga, and and everywhere around the state to come be a part of it. And I, I think it's cool to see. So it should be fun. It's a great, great hey, it's great exposure for Tony Vitello. Yes. ESPN's first game. You show that, that camera shot, you spin it around from one of your camera decks, and you show a bunch of people lining in the street. It is a recruiting win for all programs on Tennessee's campus, especially Tennessee baseball. Brent, start with you on this, and then also I'm going to get your thoughts as well, so chime in, please. Um, Tony Vitello and the power that he's wielding right now. He's about to have his salary doubled. His staff is going to get considerable raises, it sounds like, with the cash influx there for his staff facility upgrades are coming and then it sounds like brent that that vitello is going to have a say if, if the if the stadium's on campus or off campus it's up to the coach yeah i thought danny white's strongest comment this week when he met the media about the my all campaign was i asked him if he was committed to playing baseball on campus despite the fact that his boss tennessee president randy boyd's in the process of building a downtown baseball stadium and danny white's answer was very clear I'm going to follow and listen to the lead of my baseball coach. If he says we need to play on campus, we're going to play it on campus, and we're going to make the facility upgrades that we need to make. Uh, We've written about this in the war room. We've talked about this all season long. Uh, Austin, Danny or Tony Vitello has done uh, a great job on the field. He's done as well of a job in cultivating relationships with key people since he's been at Tennessee, prominent donors, um, a guy by the nickname of Sheriff, whose common phrase is Omaha, that, that he's, he's you know, become friends with Peyton Manning. I think all of those things are helping Tony Vitello uh, be in a situation where he's going to get a lot of what he wants in Lindsey Nelson Stadium moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, has he not? He's not only, you know, failed to get sideways with anyone. Everybody is firmly behind Tony Vitello. So I mean, the the baseball program, you know, everybody talks about rowing in the same direction. Everybody's rowing with Tony Vitello right now. And even if Tennessee wasn't sitting here in a super regional as the favorite when they play LSU, everybody would still be rowing with Tony Vitello. He's done a nice job. He gets relationships. Heck, man, I think most of everything in life is relationship-based. And, you know, he has done a phenomenal job of, of building and cultivating and establishing all that stuff with, with not only the highest of high people, but, you know, you know your common fan. Like, he, he relates to the common fan. You see him go up in the stands and, and, and do those things. That stuff that, you know, Bruce Pearl did when he went to climb on the lunch tables and that type of thing and pass out pizzas and, and that type of stuff. Tony Vitello gets that, sure, the, the you know, Peyton Mannings and, and, and the Haslam's and all your major donors are important. They're very important. But so is John Smith, who comes every week. And so are the students, who are loud and rowdy every week. He relates to everybody, and, and that, that's credit to him. So White will defer to Vitello on, on campus or off campus we think he's going to say on campus for sure, right? Yes, he's definitely going to say on campus. He, he wants to play on campus. That's not to say he won't play some, some some specific games or specific series in a new downtown ballpark, but he firmly believes that you should have your facility on campus for a lot of reasons. One, it's better for the development of your players. They don't have to get in a car to go to the cage and hit, and they don't have to do this and that. I mean, it's it's right there all available to them. He thinks from a recruiting standpoint, it says a lot about their commitment to the sport if you're doing things on campus as opposed to sharing a facility with someone else. And so, yes, he's absolutely going to say, let's play on campus. Now, the question is, how far do they take the renovations to, to Lindsey Nelson Stadium? How big do you make your stadium? That's something that Danny White said they're going to have further discussions about. You know, how big of a mega stadium do you want to have? What's realistic? And, and, and what does that look like? We'll see. There are renderings created, uh, but it sounds like Danny White's open and open to any other potential adjustments that you know they feel like they need to make for uh, the betterment of development of players as well as um, you know fan uh, enhancement and, and making that a, a better experience for fans as well. Austin, we've seen Tennessee use big basketball environments over a weekend on recruiting visits for football. Are we going to see something similar with some football visits this weekend and building things around that environment, around the baseball series? You know, I don't know. I, I, they did not do it a week ago. And, uh, you know, I, someone tagged me on Twitter with, you know, a basketball recruit at Texas that was at their regional baseball game. You know, I, I, I continue to hear different things that, that because it's NCAA related, they can't. But then again, the, the tweet that, you know, with the video of the, you know, prospect at Texas says otherwise. So, you know, I, I think that Tennessee would love to do it if they can. I, I know I'm talking to somebody last week. That was something they were still trying to figure out, you know, and, and get a definitive answer on. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if they've, if they've got – I've honestly not talked to anybody about it this week to find out if that's kind of in the itinerary for official visitors or not. But Tennessee does have seven on their campus this week plus a uh, host of unofficials that, uh, you know, bare minimum, they're going to get to see the fans out and about on campus, which is a good thing. 
Austin, who are the biggest players to keep an eye on of those seven players visiting uh, with, for Tennessee football this weekend? Who are you making note of in that group? Well, Dane Shore, the big offensive lineman, uh, you know, it, it probably stands about above the rest. Dylan Sampson, running back from Louisiana, um, you know, uh, has, has got an interesting game, I think really fits what uh, Josh Heifel's offense wants to do. Taven Jackson's in for the first time since he committed to spend time with the coaches. Um, you know, I think that's another one that, you know, you don't have to watch that one because he's in the boat, but I think it helps that he's here. It's his first time here. I think that goes a long way. Um, Bishop Thomas, a defensive guy out of the state of Florida, also in town this weekend. Um, and then, you know, unofficially, you know, Tennessee had Anthony Brown on campus on Thursday. That's to me kind of an interesting development just because he actually got up here um, when, you know, he had kind of failed to get up here to this point. And then, you know, couple of 23s on campus this week were notable. Dante Moore, quarterback from, from Detroit. And then the next two days, today and tomorrow, um, you know, they'll have, you know, uh, Devin Hyatt, who is the younger brother of Jalen Hyatt. He, he's in town. So, you know, Tennessee starting to get more and more kids on campus. Not necessarily for camp, more so, you know, to spend time with coaches and kind of get to know and get a feel for things. I think that is a really good sign. Again, you're not going to get a ton of kids to come camp, especially in the 22 class. But, you know, you're going to start to get more and more kids on your campus. And Tennessee's done, I think, a nice job of that this week. Just unofficially, Brent, they, they've, they've got more traction this week uh, with, with prospects than they did even in the week first week. Yeah, I think it's important. I think they played the first week pretty well because this was their first go of it. You mentioned this on the podcast, uh, on the VolQuest podcast also. I think it's a great point. They did not load up and say, hey, let's bring in 12 official visitors the first weekend and we'll figure out how to manage official visits on Tennessee for the first time with 12 guys in town. They had just a couple of guys in. Uh, visits went well. They've tweaked some things throughout this week with some visits of, hey, this works better from a timing standpoint. We need to do less time here or more time here, that type of thing. And so I think it puts them in a better spot this weekend to even be better host for official visitors, and I think that's why you're seeing them with a bigger number this weekend, and then next weekend will be a big number, particularly on the offensive line, some key guys scheduled in next week on the offensive line. So you'll see Tennessee build out uh, their numbers throughout the month uh, as they try to get as many guys on campus as they can. Brent, start with you. Austin, uh, follow up. You guys are, college football is in your blood. What do you think about a 12-team college football playoff? Um, you know, I, I think I don't think there's 12 teams worthy of, of being in the playoffs. I think one of the intrigues of the playoffs is that you're hoping the semifinal games and the final games are highly competitive games. They haven't always been that case, but you go back and look um, the year Alabama beat Georgia and you had Georgia beating Oklahoma in overtime in the semifinals and then a great game in a championship. That's what everybody wants every year. Um, so I think probably in a lot of ways 12's too many because you're going to get some, I think, some bad games to open. Um, and, and I think that's something that is not good for college football. There's too many bad games in the regular season that are uncompetitive to me, Austin. But at the same time, too, it's all about the money. And you're going to have – you need more money than you've ever needed in college athletics. And you're going to make more money with 12 teams in the playoff than you are than you're going to make with four or eight teams in the playoff. I'm going to take the devil's advocate to this and go the opposite way of Brent. I think it's good. And here's why. Because I think everybody's tired of seeing Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. 
and then Oklahoma's in some years, not in. They kind of rotate a, that fourth team in. I think that for, for fans, just the notion that, hey, somebody else is going to be in the playoff. Now, it may end up still being those same three or four teams in the semifinals and finals, but there's at least the notion someone else potentially could play their way in and, 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 and not uh, be left on the outside. Um, you know, th- this is something that I think is good for college football, um, you know, because, again, I think for the most part it's just gotten so top-heavy, and I'm not sure how you claw out of that. I think it, it's still set up to be top-heavy. I think the transfer portal set up for your best programs to continue to, you know, take and take and take from, from you know, the lesser schools when they find a really good player, the player that, you know, maybe got lost in the shuffle in recruiting and, and developed and, you know, at, at Kansas or wherever else. Um, you know, those those programs are going to struggle because, you know, those good players are going to, you know, potentially end up at, you know, you know, really good programs. Kansas is a perfect example. Their best players have transferred to Auburn, Tennessee, and in their corner, it, it could end up at Ohio State or Tennessee. I mean, like, that's – that's how do you, if you're Kansas, how do you pull out of that? And there are several programs kind of in that same, that same level that they just can't pull themselves out even when they get a couple of good players. You know, I'm – I'm intrigued by it. I'm for it, Brent, because I, I like the idea of 12 because right now there's a malaise over a lot of these college bowl games anyway. Uh, that's number one. But also, I like the idea of some of these schools hosting that round one matchup on campus. I think there is some intrigue there instead of just having a neutral site, Citrus Bowl, Gator Bowl, whatever you want to call it, and, and having uh, Cincinnati host Georgia, for instance, if that matchup would have taken place this year. Well, I mean, I get it. I mean, and I get why they're doing it. I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's, I mean, we all knew it was coming. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like we're sitting here going, oh my God, they've destroyed the game. I, I don't, I don't mean that. I just think that there's going to be, my concern is that there's going to be too many games in that first part that you're like, yeah, okay. You know, that, you know, somebody's going to be a, a, a 17 point favorite in the opening rounds of the playoffs. You know, I, I don't, I don't know how intriguing that is. Could there be an upset there? Sure, I guess there could be an upset there. Um, I, I do agree with you that they mean something. Where bowl games are meaningless in a lot of ways, uh, and have become, you know, non-intriguing to not only fans but I think to some players as well. My concern is, do you get enough highly competitive games that that are going to be really good for, uh, for the playoff system? Are you going to get into some games that are going to feel like you know, early matchups in the NCAA tournament where you're like, they got no chance. We'll see. I mean, I, you know, we'll see how it plays out that way. You know, there, there's a lot of talk about fun uh, in the Tennessee football program right now. I saw they had uh, barbecue and, and kickball at Neyland Stadium recently. And a lot of the players are talking about how it seems to be more relaxed and fun. And you've got anonymous coaches uh, from other schools talking about just how miserable it was with Tennessee a year ago and you could tell something was off, the chemistry wasn't there, and the kids weren't having fun. Is that the sense you guys get? How much of it was COVID lockdown related? How much of it was coaching staff related? Did you sense something all last season was off? And is this a welcome change for those players when you see Josh Heupel's approach? Oh, I think it's a welcome change. Um, the, the, that's an easy answer. Um, yeah, And I do think it's a combination of everything. I think it was the chemistry on the staff wasn't great because of COVID. The, the chemistry on the team wasn't great, and 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 they weren't having any fun. I mean, 
you know, I think part COVID related because they had to go to practice, pick up their, their, their lunch box full of, you know, styrofoam of food. And then they go back to their room. Whereas, you know, now, you know, a lot of that's kind of been, you know, really loosened, so to speak, or mm-hmm. gone all together. And now, you know, they're out there able to have team activities and that type of thing, which is why their chemistry, I think, is far better. Um, I think this, you know, this staff now, whether they can develop and, and, and call the right plays and stuff, that's up to them. We'll find out about that later. But I think they all get along really, really well. I think the chemistry on the staff is way, way better. So when you put in better team chemistry, better staff chemistry, and Hubs has heard me say this 4,000 times, and then potentially better quarterback play, what's it worth? You tell me. Well, I don't know, I don't know what it's worth, but I think it's worth something. Well, here's the thing about that season that's always going to intrigue me that I don't know that I'm ever going to get the answer to last year. Austin's right on everything you said. I think it is partially COVID-related. There were some some coaches on that staff last year who didn't think they should be playing, didn't think they would be playing. There were some kids the same way. Right, who who weren't real hip to playing. Yet through all of that, Tennessee got a four-down goal-line stop to end the half in Athens, Georgia, and go to the locker room with the lead. And then they have a bad series to open, and the meltdown there ensues, the Kentucky meltdown, and then the season absolutely completely fell apart. So I I don't know that when you sprint to the locker room with the lead in Athens, Georgia, that everybody's miserable. I really don't. I think the misery set in for everybody when you threw two pick sixes against Kentucky and got routed at home. And, and everything completely fell off the rails at that point. Then everything became even an excuse for players. Hey, I'm going to opt out, maybe. I don't know if I want to be here. We've got all the COVID stuff, everything else. But for, what, 10 quarters of football? They didn't look like they were miserable to me at that point. But it got miserable really quick when they fell apart in the second half in Athens and then obviously laid the ultimate egg at home against Kentucky. Brent, uh, I know big news for you personally uh, with your work with the Vol Network. Tim Priest is retiring, uh, announced this week. What are your thoughts on him and his tenure as a color analyst for the Vol Network? Well, I, I mean, I love Tim. I mean, Tim and I are, 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 I consider us good friends. And, you know, I didn't know Tim well. I knew him, but I didn't know him particularly well 22 years ago when I sat to his left on a stool and didn't move for 270-some-odd football games. The thing about Tim, and, and Tim, Pat Ryan's going to do a great job for much of the same reasons. Tim was the heart and soul for the last 22 years of all network broadcasts because fans knew he was prepared. He could break the game down for you and explain what's going on, much like Pat can. But the bigger thing with Tim is fans learn to hang on not just his words, but they learn to hang on every groan, <laughs> every spike <laughs> of the table you heard in the background. Every damn it when somebody threw an interception, um, every exasperation that, that you could feel, the passion that Tim brought just through kind of his noises told fans whether something good was happening or something bad was happening. And, and I think that's a credit to the credibility Tim has with the Tennessee fan base, and he'll certainly be missed. Pat Ryan will fit that role perfectly, what you just yep, described. He yeah. Yep, he will. Yeah. And, and it, that's it's a good fit. I mean, I've worked with Pat. I've done a game with Pat, and everybody knows when Pat's annoyed. Everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows when something good has happened with Pat. You know, 
Uh, and, and Tim was the same way. And, and I think that's um, – you can hear it in Dave McGinnis's voice with the Titans broadcast sure. now. I think that's what good color analysts do. You know, when, when fans know whether it's good or bad by, you know, the, the pitch of their voice or the groan or the grumble or whatever, that's when you know you got a good color, color analyst. And Tennessee's had a great one in Tim Priest, and they're getting a good one in Pat Ryan. Brent, final thoughts. Uh, Austin Price wearing a T-shirt with Atlanta Athletic Club. Your thoughts on employing someone who wears a shirt that he could not even wear on the premises of Atlanta Athletic Club because it doesn't meet the dress code there? Well, first of all, I'm wearing the uh, 19 or the 1999-2001 um, Sergio Collection Adidas <laughs> shirt today. Um, so I'm going retro throwback for everybody. Uh, I do play about as slow, apparently, as Sergio Garcia, which is why we were on the clock last night. Uh, but that's a whole different story. Um, you know, the thing about Austin is you just never know. Um, he probably mowed his yard yesterday in a Peter Millar uh, <laughs> zip or a, um, a, a golf polo. And then today he gets on camera and he's in a um, – you know, an a Atlanta Athletic Club T-shirt. I don't know how you get those. Do they sell those in the shop there and just say, hey, whatever you do, never wear it on this premise. You can take it. <laughs> it can be your sleep shirt. It can be your workout shirt. But it's never just to be worn here. when you get to our gate. How Austin, does that go? Austin, you can't wear a hat inside the clubhouse at Atlanta Athletic Club. You're not getting past the gate wearing that T-shirt. Yeah, you could. They're not going to sell something you can't wear. Um, yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, Sounds like somebody's hey. already proven that to be true. Right? <laughs> so we're at camp two days ago. We're at camp two days ago, and Heifel walks up, and he goes, you look like you're ready to go play golf. And I was like, Coach, I'm like Charlie Sheen's character on Two and a Half Men who wore the bowling shirts every in every scene. I said, this is my get up every day, okay? I, I wear the polo. I said, sometimes I'm mowing the polo, you know, and I mean, it, 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 I don't mean that like, I just, I, when I, it's at the end, if I'm mowing in the afternoon and I've got to go shower afterwards, why well, go dirty another shirt when I can just dirty the polo and wash it afterwards? Very efficient. Right. We all know, we all know I put this shirt on two minutes before we got on this program did. so that Paul wouldn't say anything. It's going to go right back in my closet when I get done because it's not dirty and I'll go back to my uh, t-shirt that's got some holes in it and, and get back to normal life here. Hey. If you if you ever wondered if you ever wondered how much Tim Priest rubbed off on Brent Hubbs, <laughs> Hubbs hit one last night and he said, "Get you some of that, Brad Lampley." <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of last night, in all sincerity, thank you guys for for coming out to and driving to Nashville for 360 Masters. Uh, we appreciate that support, and uh, we love partnering with you each Friday for the VolQuest Power Hour. We didn't drive. We this is always fun. Helicopter. Oh, my bad. Nice. My bad. I, I forgot no, we, you work we, for Hubs. We, we, enjoy, we enjoy this hour, obviously. We have a lot of fun doing it. We had a lot of fun last night. It was for a great cause. It was a great event. Hopefully, um, they, they raised a lot of money last night uh, yeah. for, for you know, research and, and what is desperately needed uh, you know, for cancer uh, research and, and development of cure out there. And uh, we were honored to be a part of it. A lot of great people there last night, and it was a lot of fun. So thanks for having us out. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll catch you up next week. Thanks, Jets. Have, Have a good weekend. weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
Brent Hubs and Austin Price there from VolQuest.com. If you missed portions of the hour, it's available on podcasts, wherever you download your podcasts. And, of course, you can go back and watch the replay. This weekend, speaking of some big things coming up this weekend, UFC 263, FanDuel.com slash OK360. Four new users, 30 to 1 odds on either Israel Adesanya or Marvin Vittori to win tomorrow night at UFC 263. The max bet you see right there on the screen, $5 to win $150. You can bet on either Adesanya or Vittori. And keep in mind, Adesanya is a minus 275 favorite, and he won their previous fight back in 2018 by split decision. It's going to be a close fight, a big night for UFC, and you can get 30 to 1 odds. It's open until the fight starts tomorrow night for UFC 263. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Make an an initial deposit of at least $10 to be eligible. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Time for the 360 parlay from FanDuel.com. Chad, we need a winner. We went to extras last night. Yankees lost. It is on you. To Can bring I tell this story this really quickly about yeah. what happened last We've night? We've had back-to-back excruciating, really three in a row, excruciating row. beats. So w- we won the first leg, and uh, y- we had the Yankees at over five and a half. Yankees go into the ninth with five runs. I say to Chad, they get to the bottom of the ninth. So Minnesota is, is going to lose this game 5-3. Chapman comes in. I say to Chad, we need Minnesota to score two runs in the bottom of the ninth to give the Yankees a chance to win, to win it that. in extras. Yeah. And Chapman gives up a two-run dinger, and I say, we're in it. Then Chapman gives up another dinger, and they lose it in nine. Yeah, it's, and the day before that, Braves up one nothing, bottom of the ninth. Two-run walk-off home run to lose our bet. Uh, we find every way to lose. What are we winning tonight? So here's the deal. We're going to show it to you right now. This is uh, I'm not getting very scientific with this. <laughs> I'm trying to end our losing streak. I'm not looking at odds. I'm not looking at anything else. We're not doing K-props. We're not doing fifth-inning runs. We're not doing uh, over-under rebounds for an NBA player. We're just winning. We're going to win because the Braves are going <laughs> to find a way after losing in horrific fashion Back-to-back games to Philadelphia. Uh, One team the Braves are much better than, the Miami Marlins. They've got Charlie Morton on the bump. Braves are going to win outright. White Sox with their ace in the mound against one of the worst teams in baseball and the Detroit Tigers will win as favorites as well. Both those teams will win. We will win. We will end our parlay losing streak with this bet. Join us, the 360 Parlay, FanDuel.com is where you can sign up, slash OK360. Just download the FanDuel app. Paul, star of the show last night at 360 Masters, Jacob Swanson and his golf game. Listen, he's unimpressed by this particular swing because he doesn't think it had a good result. I, I don't care what the result of this particular it's the swing. swing is. It's the look, form. look, behold Smooth. the beauty of this. Gaze your eyes upon the art that is Jacob Swanson swinging a golf club. Okay, here he gets the ball. I, I frame it a little better. I scoot over. Just look at the confidence, the posture, the aggression, the hip turn. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. He gave a little head tilt, like he was un- uh, head tilt, like he was unsatisfied. But I mean, this guy's <laughs> posture, his confidence, the aggression with which he hits the ball. Grip it and rip it. We could clip uh, part of what you just said into something really funny. Yeah, mashup. Um, look, I'm gonna yeah. end up. I, I just, I'm in love with you, Jacob. <laughs> 
I, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with this you swing. Followed up that with that. That was I great. Want, uh, yeah, clip that all together. I don't even know what I said the first time. I'm sure it's terrible. But I want to be with you while you're swinging like this. <laughs> I uh, want to be with on you. A course, on uh, a course. I want to get a one-bedroom apartment with you when all this is over. At a course. You have to share a twin-size bed with you. Over in an empty field with a, with a bucket of balls. Whatever it takes. I need to go apartment hunting together after the show. I want to be around that. It Get some a, real housewives in there, and I'm in. <laughs> the follow-through was really impressive. To me, that was the art of the, the poetry and motion of that swing yeah. was the beauty of his follow-through. Now, I will say, as much as this swing brings me comfort, Jacob without a hat today is really throwing me off. It's kind of like, and all uh, I see is the top of his head over the monitor, and today I see... Well, there's a, his, there's a his, lot of similarities with him and Kirby, and him without the hat, there's some similarities with Kirby. It's a striking look. Yeah, when you're used to the hat. Yeah, what? What did you forget your hat? He did. He, he you were so hat. you were so tired this morning. He said he forgot his hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crisis in the Swanson house. Be honest, you slept here. Or <laughs> <laughs> at Top Golf. Slept. Yeah. What's that? He, yeah. he hasn't. <laughs> Not since last night. Hey, big uh, thanks to everybody for joining us last night at uh, Top Golf Nashville and 360 Masters. Thanks for joining us on Instagram as well. Join us throughout the weekend. YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we continue to get those numbers to rise. Love that. And uh, we're going to post exclusive content on the YouTube channel. Search out Outkick 360, separate from the Outkick channel. We're now on the Outkick 360 channel, streaming live every day at noon Eastern, posting new content. So ring that bell and you'll be alerted to it, just as Paul does on a daily basis. So follow us on Twitter, share the post on Facebook. We appreciate everybody. Hit us up on the podcast this weekend as well. Have a great weekend. We're back to recap it all on Monday for Outkick 360. Whether you're golfing or not, whether you're watching golf or not, I want you to, to have that image of Jacob swinging that club in your head this weekend while you're not blocking the box, and as you're locking the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.